Good morning, and before we come into our Sunday special edition today on Sunday, June 11th, 2017, I wanted to let you know that the Power of the Big Book Convention Weekend is happening in 98 days. This spectacular convention will be in the neighborhood. It is happening, a veritable visible fest of the miracles that abound in recovery, a convention filled with electricity, sparks, and magnetism. Fellows we have come to know, we will now see, have been walking the 12 steps in the shoes of a new way of living. Such freedom. See recovery. Share that recovery together. Convention makes this all visible. A vision for you presents the Power of the Big Book Convention 2017, a weekend that is filled with inspiration, education, and motivation in mass alive and on fire. It will be September 15th through the 17th, 2017, this fall, 98 days, at the Marriott Hotel and Convention Center located in northern New Jersey at the Liberty International Airport compound. There's barely enough time to pack. I'm telling you, I'm so excited. Have you registered? Have you made hotel reservations? You are invited to do this today. See the further details on our website at www.avisionforyou.info and help spread this word to those out there that haven't been able to see. We have a convention flyer on our website. Print it out. Come join us. Now let's return to our scheduled event for today. A Vision for You presents a Sunday special edition. Thank you, Melanie, and good morning, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, June 11, 2017. The share IDs for Friday, June 9th, are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern meeting, 10025. That's 10025. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern one zero zero two seven again one zero zero two seven this morning a vision for you presents restless irritable discontent the gauge to the bedevilments on page 52 of the big book you can find a list of bedevilments we were having trouble with personal relationships We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were a prey to misery and depression. This paragraph concludes using the word bedevilments. If you look up up its definition, it means to be controlled as if by devils. These are aspects of the compulsive overeater's life and personality that are usually in effect before the compulsive overeater comes into Overeaters Anonymous and will continue unless the compulsive overeater actively works the steps each day. Bill Wilson in the AA 12 and 12 speculates that we have a cancer of the soul, a soul sickness, a spiritual malady. The big book also suggests that once alcohol has been removed and the alcoholic is no longer drinking or thinking about drinking, or in our case, binge foods and compulsive overeating, why are most of us restless, irritable, and discontented? Why are the events and situations in our life so unmanageable? 
Why can't we exercise more self-discipline? Why are we so unsatisfied? Why can't we experience more control? Joining us to speak on this important topic this morning is Terry A.H., a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. Terry is devoted to living in the solution of the 12-step way of life, which includes working with others and carrying this message of recovery. And with great pleasure, I welcome you to the line, Terry. Thanks, Leah. Good morning. My name is Terry A.H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. And thanks again, Leah, for asking me. It's always an honor and delight to be of service to this line. I'd like to welcome anyone that is new or coming back. I'd like to just start off with a prayer, um, just to just to start off my my share. And it goes, God, let your love shine through me like a fog light for those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through this 12-step process. Today I will be sharing my experience and reading on a few pages, starting on page 44 um, in We Agnostics, if you, if you would like to follow along with me. And as I go through the readings, the paragraphs, I'll be turning a lot of the statements into questions as it really has helped me to get to my truth. As it was said to me, you can't get to the answers without asking the questions. So I'd like to start off with a set-aside prayer around the unmanageability and my need for power. God, please enable me to set aside everything I think I know for an open mind and a new experience. Help me to see the truth about the unmanageability of my life and my need for power. So on page 44, (laughs) the chapter is We Agnostics. It says, in the preceding chapters, you have learned something of alcoholism. We hope we have made the clear distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. So I have to ask myself, what have I learned up to this point? I've learned about the unmanageability. has always been this. I have no power, choice, or control. I can't stop it when it's showing up. I have no control I can't, I, I have no control. I have no idea when it's going to happen. It just takes me. I don't take it. I'm in serious trouble. I can plan various ways of eating to control and regulate my eating. I can try lots of methods to control and enjoy my eating. The bottom line is I'm going to eat. I don't know when it's going to, to stop. That's unmanageability. How can I have a manageable life when I'm going to eat and die? and I cannot avoid it unless I have a spiritual revelation. Am I clear on the difference between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic? It is the ability to control the start and the stop. Have I fully conceded to my innermost self that I am a real compulsive overeater, that I have a body that does not process my alcoholic foods, and a mind that does not process reality? And if I'm planning to stop eating, there must be no reservations of any kind, nor any lurking notion that someday I will be immune to my alcoholic foods. Um, it says, um, the next paragraph, it says, if, when honestly want, if you honestly want to, do you find that you cannot quit 
do you, do you find you cannot quit entirely? So, you know, here they sum up, including the doctor's opinion, 54 pages, only to find out two things. So it reads, if when you honestly want to, and I'll turn this into statements, do you find that you cannot quit entirely, which is a mental obsession? So meaning, once I've stopped, with no alcoholic foods in me, can I stay stopped based on the need, the want, choice, what's right, what's necessary, or because of the desire? Or when drinking, do you have little control over the amount you take? So they're talking about the physical allergy, meaning once I take any of my alcoholic foods in my body, can I stop or predict the amount I eat based on the need, the want, choice, what's right, what's necessary, or because of the desire? If I could keep myself stopped, then I would just make up my mind never to eat those foods again. Or if I get the obsession and not the physical craving, the next time... I got the obsession, I would just eat the way that I wanted. So it's both. I have a body that craves more and a mind that convinces me I don't. If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. Wow, what a pretty powerful word, conquer. To overcome and take control. The question I had to ask myself, can I self-will my own spiritual progress? And if I could, wouldn't I be doing a lot better? It says on page 34, whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. So um, the next paragraph, it says, to one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible but to continue as he means disaster, especially if it's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed in alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. So what is the hopeless variety? The hopeless variety is one who wants to stop but can't. One who loses power, meaning to have the ability to act or have strength. One who loses choice, meaning to have more than one option, and one who loses control, meaning the ability to regulate or restrain or influence. The question I had to ask myself, if I lose one of these three, power, choice, and control, do I lose, if I lose one of these, uh, power, choice, and control, do I lose all three? The answer is yes. To be doomed in alcoholic death, or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. So what's that looking like? How does it look like being untreated? To live like you want to die? To be so full of fear that I can't function properly in society? I've got two choices. One, to get off the Titanic and stop switching seats. Or two, to get into this 12-step life raft and paddle in a new direction like my life depends on it. And yes, there were times in my journey I had to think about it. But it isn't so difficult. About half of our original fellowship were exactly that type. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Perhaps it is going to be that way with you. But cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. 
Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted, meaning disturbed, unsettled. So what is the true alcoholic? Well, I learned on page 30, the delusion, the lie, that I am like other people has to be smashed. It says, we alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking, or in our case, our eating. We know that no real compulsive overeater ever recovers control. But after a while, we, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Or else what? My truth. I will either face it with God or a substance. I must find a spiritual basis to live life like I don't want to die. It's like going from left to right. I'm thinking neither one is remotely good. What I really want to do is figure it out and fix the problem. But for me, every time I would go to fix them, they became even worse. It's important for me to see that the spiritual basis is not religious. It could be, but it doesn't have to be. The word spirit means to breathe. When I'm choking, I want to be able to breathe. It says, if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us, no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. So how many times did I wake up and tell myself, tomorrow will be different. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to do better, be a better person. If I could just change, I wouldn't keep doing this to my loved ones. To be comforted, what, what would that look like? To have a way of life that comforts me. My truth, I could not create that around me. The needed power wasn't there. You see, I live in my mind an existence of an attempt to bring life into physical reality. Lack of power, that was my dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. Obviously, but where and how were we to find this power? So what does that mean, dilemma? A situation in which is a difficult choice has to be made between two or more alternatives or options especially equally desirable ones. For example, if you're running through the woods from a wild animal and you come to the end and you reach a cliff, am I going to jump or am I going to run back towards that wild animal? You see, I don't like either. Lack of power, notice it's a little p, meaning me, by which we could live. And it had to be a power, the big p, meaning something other than me. So I lack the ability to, to control the amount. I lack the ability not to pick up again. I lack the ability to live a successful life on my own power. I had to see my first step truth of my powerlessness before I could see my need for power. You see, I cannot build a spiritual path on a lie. I continue to live in the bedevilment on page 52. I am restless, uneasy, Irritable, easily annoyed, and discontented, never satisfied. As a result of my dis-ease, my separation from ease, my life is unmanageable. 
Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. So here it is, my answer. They told me in the forward that the main purpose of this book is to show me precisely what they have done to recover. On page 20, they promised to answer my questions, what to do specifically. On page 29, they tell me what they did by giving me clear-cut directions. And now they tell me that they're going to show me how I can find a power greater than myself. So the book now aims towards spirits. No more about the mental, no more about the physical. Which brings me to the title of my share today, of restless, irritable, discontented, the gauge to the bedevilments. I didn't understand why I kept relapsing. I would get 30, 60, 90 days, and even one time, six months. But I would always return back to relapse. I learned that it's something underneath. It goes way deeper. I stop running my life. I disconnect spiritually, which drives me back to the thought of the obsession that takes me back to relapse. I've learned that the bedevilments are not the spiritual malady. The bedevilments are a reflection of this transparent condition within me that I can't see. I can see the spiritual condition around me. So here's a visual. It's like water in a bottle. I can't see the water, but I can see what's around it, the bottle. It's the same idea. The spiritual malady, or what I like to call it, the spiritual separation, that goes on inside of me, when that, when that gets out of whack, I become restless, irritable, and discontented, and it shows up on the outside in the bedevilments. It's an outward manifestation for an inward reality. And if I don't get plugged back in and reconnected, it will set up the condition for insanity to return, and for me to pick up again would be insane. So my natural state, will tell me I can manage and control my life again. So now let's go to page 52. I like to read this in first person, asking myself the questions. This is a great description of being untreated, the spiritual, spiritual separation. We have to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply my human power, my human problems, the same readiness to change my point of view. Am I having trouble with personal relationships? Can I control my emotional natures? Am I a prey to misery and depression? Can I make a living? Do I have a feeling of uselessness? Am I full of fear? Am I unhappy? Do I seem to be a real help to other people? Was not a basic solution to these bedevilments? more important than whether we should see newsreels of lunar flight? Of course it was. So what are the bedevilments? The bedevilments are anything that torments me, harasses me, or frustrates me. This is the unmanageability. So if merely just quitting eating were the solution to my problems, then the bedevilments would disappear. So what about after the alcoholic food is out of me and I've been recovered for a while? Do I still have a life that I'm still managing? Or am I letting this power come in? Am I still running around in Overeaters Anonymous? Still experience every sort of spree you can imagine? 
What is the pain and suffering that's going on inside me that's so great that I need to do something because of the dis-ease and the discomfort? I will start looking for the external fix for an internal problem. So I had to stop looking through the microscope and pick up the mirror. So this is what it looked like for me. This was the game changer. There were eight different areas I broke down that I would like to share with you today. I had to ask myself, on my own power, can I fix these things? Am I having trouble with personal relationships? With whom? So for instance, how about myself? Do I get self-care? Do I go to the doctors, the dentist? Do I get rest, exercise? Do I have entire abstinence? Can I lay my head down at night without the monkey chatter going on? Do I have trouble showing up on time? So what's the inner dialogue, the self-talk that I have with myself? Do I rise and shine or do I rise and whine? How about personal relationship with God? Am I spending time? Is he a full-time God or just a part-time God? Do I only use him when I'm in trouble, like a fair-weather friend? Do I trust God with every area of my life or only parts of it? Do I have a prayer meditation life or it is a green light, let's go life? How about my husband? Another area with personal relationships. On my own power, how am I doing? Do I treat him the way that I want to be treated? Am I defensive? Do I give him the silent treatment when I don't get my way? Am I honest with him with what's really going on, or am I afraid how he might react? So therefore, I keep those things to myself. So therefore, I'm not trusting him, then I don't trust me, which pulls me further away from people altogether. How about my children, personal relationships? How well am I connected with them? Am I making a conscious effort to reach out to them, even though they are living their adult lives? Or have I been so focused on my own life that I just assume they don't need to hear from me? Another area, my five siblings. How is my relationship going with them? Or do I even have a relationship with them? Where have I not made any effort to even pick up the phone or drop a card in the mail? Do I have an attitude of, oh, well, They haven't made any effort either, so therefore it gives me permission not to take any action either. How well is that working for me, and where is God in that? How about the OA members? Another area, how am I doing on my own power? Am I treating everyone the same, or am I picking and choosing who I talk to at meetings? Am I sitting at meetings full of resentment and judging their message while not sharing my own? Was I browbeating others and using the big book as a weapon instead of carrying the big book and walking softly, practicing the principles of love and tolerance? Am I gossiping with you to make myself look good or to make someone look bad? Am I hiding away in meetings to avoid conversations and responsibilities at home? How about sponsees, another area with personal relationships? How am I, how am I doing on my own power? Was my relationships in check, or was I playing God with their reliance on me? Was I directing them to the problem solver instead of being the problem solver? Was I coddling some and enabling others? Was I being an effective sponsor with telling them the truth with love and guiding them through the 12-step process, or was I just meeting them and shooting the breeze? 
One more area left to visit with personal relationships, friends. Do I end relationships only because the person doesn't act the way that I think that they should, therefore leads to resentment? Do I usually do what I say and say what I do, or do I have unrealistic expectations that they can't meet? Do I have a habit of pushing people away? Is it a balanced relationship, or is it all about me? Do I have a habit of breaking hearts, sabotaging good relationships? So here we go. Can I control my emotional nature? How? This is everything that's going on deep inside of me that you can't see, but I can hide it well. I'm building the restless, irritable, and discontent syndrome. Some examples. Why is it one week I can go to a workshop with writing involved and sit there and participate, then the next week someone is clicking their pen through the whole workshop and I'm so focused on their clicking and I'm boiling inside that all I want to do is rip the pen out of their hand but continue to sit there with a happy face on. How about when someone cuts me off in traffic, do I have restraint of horn and finger? How am I doing on my own power? Here's a good one. Same idea. What about when I'm standing in a 14-item checkout line with somebody that has 25 items and I'm standing there counting every item and boiling inside? How am I doing on my own power when I'm disconnected, spiritually separated from God? Can I be at one with God and just take a deep breath, smile, and thank God that I can say to myself, who cares? Am I a prey to misery and depression? When? So what does that look like? The hawk that looks for the mouse. Am I the mouse trying to scurry through the fields? Am I acting negative, full of self-pity? Is my life in turmoil? Is it full of drama? Am I attention-seeking, complaining, playing victim? Am I sarcastic, agitated? Can I talk to you about what's honestly going on with me? Or do I keep it inside and bury it? Am I blaming others for my negative attitude? What ways am I escaping life? Here's another area. Can I make a living? And this is not necessarily about work. This means, do I derive satisfaction from the way of life? How's my life looking? Am I happy and content right here, right now? Or do I need more money, prestige, praise, or acknowledgement? Do I have a feeling of uselessness? Do I have a purpose today? Can I change what I'm doing on my own power? Am I full of fear? What am I afraid of? What is the lies that are running my life today? What's driving the delusion? What am I afraid of losing or not getting? Am I under constant fear and tension? Do I want a certain reputation, but know in my heart I don't deserve it? Another area of the bedevilments. Am I unhappy with what? Am I looking for stuff outside myself to feel better? What are the sprees that I'm going to? Food, shopping, money, relationships? Am I okay no matter what? When asked about how I am doing, do I lie and say I'm doing well? when I know deep down inside that is not the truth? Do I seem to be unable to be of real help to other people? So what does real help mean? Am I looking for God? Am I working for God or am I working for me? 
what are my true motives today? Is my attitude an act of love or is it an act of labor? Do I spend most of my time thinking of myself instead of thinking of what I can do for others? Do I have an attitude of what's in it for me? So I got to see the areas of my life where I was still agnostic. Notice the chapter says, we agnostics. It doesn't say we were agnostics or those agnostics. The good news reads, when we saw others solve their problem by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, we had to stop stop doubting the power of God. So the question I had to ask myself is to take into consideration one, there was uh, four, different, four different questions. So this is number one. How has the way I have been trying to address my problems working for me? Two, if nothing changes and I stay in this problem, could I eat over this? Three, if this was ever just the way I wanted it to be, could I still pick up again? And if each of these areas were exactly the way I wanted them to be, would it be enough to keep me recovered? So therefore, can I see that the problems manifest from the inside of myself rather than the outside? And four, moving forward, do I believe God can take me further in every area of my life? The answer is yes. So you see, the problem is within, but the good news, the solution is in. In closing, I would like to share some sentences where it mentions in the chapter where to find this power. In Bill's story, on page 8, it says, I was soon to be catapulted into what I like to call the fourth dimension. Page 11 in Bill's story, it says, here was something at work in a human heart, which has done the impossible. Page 11 on the bottom, it says, I saw that my friend was more inwardly reorganized. On page 13, It says, I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator. Page 13, it says, I was to test my new thinking by the God consciousness within. Page 14 says, I must turn in all things to the Father of the light. Page 16 says, faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. The chapter there is agnostic on page 25. It says, we have been rocketed into the fourth dimension of existence, of which we had not even dreamed. I don't get rocketed outside. I get rocketed inside. In We Agnostics, on page 50, it says, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction flowed into them. Page 55, it says, we found the great reality deep down within us. Into action, on page 72, it says, we've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator, and to discover the obstacles in our path. Page 85 says, we have begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. So um, I would just like to say that um, in closing, you see that the problem is within, but the good news, the solution is within too. So if lack of power was my dilemma, with this power, no dilemma. 
Thanks for letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Terry, for this insightful and powerful presentation this morning. We appreciate your generous spirit always. Terry's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. And we'll now transition to a question-answer segment. You will need to press star 1 to unmute to announce your name, please, including the first letter of your last name. Who has a question? Madam. Madam. Anyone else? Okay, Matt. Diane D. And Diane D. D like dog. D like dog, okay. Hi, can you hear me, Leah? Yep. Matt, okay, yep. you're the you're the icebreaker. Go right ahead. Thank you. Hi. Thank you for your service, Leah. Thank you for your wonderful presentation, Terry. My name is Matt M. I'm from New Jersey, compulsive overeater. The question I have is, how did you able to get yourself out of that cycle of continuous relapse and recovery, relapse and recovery? Because I'm kind of struggling with that right now. Thanks, Matt, for the for the question. Um, you know, um, my journey my journey was a long journey, and I always like to talk about the last. Um, you know, like I said, I would get 30, 60, 90 days, and I didn't know. You know, my real problem was that I had the allergy you know, the allergy and the mental obsession. And um, the last time that I went out um, was back in uh, 2000. And um, I'd lost a little bit of weight. And I figured, um, you know, I could. I had a food plan and I still didn't know about, you know, the disease aspect of it. And I picked up something. And um, it took me out for a four-year binge. So that four-year binge um, brought me literally down to my knees. And... Uh, it was like it was almost like it happened yesterday, but um, that's that's when I took the program of action. Like I knew that what I had was never going to change, and that I, I needed a solution, and that was a spiritual solution. And so I picked up yes, I picked up a sponsor, and we we jumped right into the book, and um, I've never looked back. So thanks for the question. Thank you, Matt. Diane D. You're up. Thank you. Matt's question was along the line of mine, but I would like to say I have been so inspired this morning. It was just amazing how I was able to hear the message, um, how it was presented. Thank you, Terry. Um, And my question is the word entire absent. I'm fairly new to vision still, and what I'm experiencing is a lot of beautiful recovery, like remarkable changes in my behaviors and um, my thinking, um, pausing, all those kind of um, blessings. For me, they are a blessing. Um, But where I'm confused a little bit is with entire absence, because what I'm finding is certain things I can do a little of with my food plan, and I'm okay, but in the past I thought I totally couldn't do it. I couldn't have it. Um, and I'm confused along those lines because I am finding I'm not having the desire to volumize on my food plan anymore. It's just 
God took it away from me. I had certain things that could be called abstinent, but they weren't abstinent. And today God's doing it for me, but I could not do it myself. I would manipulate it. I would zone out when it came time to eat, those kind of things. And I have a couple of little things that occasionally I'll have a little bit of. Um, and I'm not binging, whatever, but I can't get rid of it entirely. So I'll stop with that. Thank you. I'd love to to hear more because it is coming to me. Miracles have happened that I never dreamed they would happen with the way I'm able to eat and, more importantly, relate in the world with myself. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not sure if that was a question or not. But I guess what I heard was um, you're not sure about um, entire absence and not to get into it over the phone because we're all different. I mean, I would I would love to have a one-on-one conversation with you around that. Okay, excellent. Thank you, Diane D. This is Katie G from Boston. May I ask you a question? Yes, Katie, hold on one second. You're oh, on me, the top here. No problem at all. Who else has a question after Katie G? Deb, Massachusetts. Melissa, Melissa, I got you. Is it Deb? Yeah, Deb, Massachusetts. Okay, Deb, what's the first letter of your last name, please? B. E, okay. And Melissa, who else this morning? Toby W. Kathy Joe P. Toby W. Good morning, Kathy Joe. Shannon F. Okay, that's a nice group. KDG, go right ahead. Hey, Leah, may I be heard? Yes, very well. Awesome. Terry, that was beautiful. Really dem- wonderful demonstration of honor, dignity, and grace in this program. So thank you. Um, just a quick uh, question. Just wondering, I know that you went through the bedevilments, but my you know, pen and paper is not fast enough to kind of expand on all that. Do you have any... Uh, resources that you're willing to share in terms of like all of the questions Um, because you beautifully extrapolated on a lot of it. So I'm just wondering if you have any additional resources that you're able to share. Thank you. Hi, honey. Good morning, Katie. And um, yes, I do. I I have an outline. Um, If if you're interested in that, you can just um, get my email at the close and I'd be more than happy to to share the outline with you. Okay, excellent. And Deb E. Deb E. had a question this morning, star one to unmute. Okay, now I'm here. (laughs) I was muted again. Thank you, Terry. Um, I wanted to ask more about the analogy you said with the water in the bottle. Um, I was like fascinated with it, but I wondered if you could explain more how that relates to you. Sure. So the water in the bottle, if you look at the water, it's transparent. And that's the, that's the spiritual malady inside of us. You can't see it. But the bedevilments, are the, like if you picture the bedevilments as the bottle, that's, the, that's what goes on around us. So everything that's numb, irritable, restless, and discontent that's coming in 
from within me, but it will come out through the bedevilments. Like it will, so if I'm restless, irritable, and discontent, I may be lashing out, you know, I may be um, moody, I may be in self-pity. It manifests itself on the outside of me. Okay, I'm writing it down, so I'll keep thinking about it. Thank you. <laughs> sure. Thanks for the question. Yes, thanks, Deb E. Melissa C., your turn. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much, Terry, for your um, great share. And, um, you know, my question is, do you, um, you talked about, like, some, like, situations, like, when you're on the checkout line. And, um, you know, if you're sitting in a conference and someone is clicking a pen, do you have some um, kind of, like, inward mantras or things that you tell yourself to sort of, um, you know, how how do you really handle those situations with dignity and grace? Thank you. Mm, thanks for the question, Melissa. See, well, one of the one of the things I always use is um, you've heard on the line, you know, bless them, change me, um, because whenever I have a problem with somebody else, it, it's really I'm the problem. And I have a guy that always reminds me that, um, you know, she says, Terry, you are your biggest problem today. Um, so. Love and tolerance, that's, that's our code, and I really try to practice that on um, a daily basis. And the other thing that I, I use, Melissa, is that um, I've been using for a while now where it talks about in step 10, we have, we have ceased fighting anything, anyone, even alcohol. So it's like, how is that, you know, how am I really practicing that today? Um, and that's really about keeping a good attitude um, with, with everyone that I come in contact. Do I do that perfectly? Absolutely not, but I get to look at that in step 11, the nightly review, and um, ask God's help for the next day. So I hope that answers your question. Thank you, Melissa C. And if everybody could star one to mute so we can have a nice, quiet recording, except for Toby W., who now has a question. Good morning. This is Toby W. from Boston. Um, Go ahead, Toby. Thank you, uh, Terry. I just took you off of... Um, well, anyway, thank you, Terry. I am sitting here um, after yet another binge and wondering um, when I will reach bottom. I'm filled with fear. I'm going to be 82 next week. And I'm killing myself with the food. And I hear everything on vision. I have a vision sponsor who I'm meeting this afternoon. I don't know if she's going to drop me or not. Um, I'm just at a bottom and a, very frightened. And yet, I still keep picking up. I don't know what kind of answer you can give me or what you can say to me, but I'm reaching out for help. Thank you. Mm, thanks. thanks, Toby, and, and welcome. You're in the right place. And the only suggestion that I would give you is, um, you know, really... Get a few day, try to get a few days of abstinence underneath your belt and get right into the step work. 
um, that's really the solution is um, really get clear on on your um, on the foods on your alcoholic foods and um, just really hang in there and, and get through the steps as quick as possible really just so that you can have experience the freedom that we experience on a daily basis. Thank you, Toby W., for your question. Kathy Joe P., it's your turn. Kathy Joe, Recovered Compulsive Reader in Minneapolis. And the long and short of it is I'm curious to know if you ever get um, stuck in an emotional way some people sometimes use the word emotional binges that I've heard. The reason I was attracted to this today is I feel like um, I've been struggling this week with some of my character defects. I've been doing a lot of outreach calls and 10 steps, but I um, have not had a huge shift yet, and I'm just curious if this has crept up for you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think it's only human that we we have those kinds of days. Um, and I just really, I have a I have a husband that's in in twelve step program too, so he's always a constant reminder when I'm off off the beam. And you know, I just have to really uh, kind of look at where I am in the triangle and circle. That's one of the things that I always go back to. Where am I? Where am I in recovery, unity, and service? And Usually when it goes, you know, if I'm out of balance for a little while, I'm usually out of balance in one of those areas. So it's just a a good landmark for me to keep going back to to see exactly um, where I may be just not, um, I may be slacking in those areas a little bit. So, um, yeah, that's what I do. So thanks for your question. Thanks, Kathy Joe. Shannon F. Good morning. This is Shannon S., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Buffalo, New York. Can I be heard? Yes, you can, Shannon. Great. Thank you, Leah, for your service, and thank you, Terry, for your amazing share. Um, my question is, um, as you shared so vulnerably, thank you, that you were in and out of relapse um, in recovery for a long time. Um, my question is, what are the things that um, either sponsors or fellows in recovery, what are the things that um, you experienced from people that um, were helpful um, in helping you to come to a place of truly accepting your disease? And what are the things that were not helpful um, from individuals as you were back and forth between relapse and recovery? Thank you. Well, thanks for the thanks for the question. Um, so the the first answer that I would have for you to the first question, um, what is it that um, was encouraging? So when I got abstinent and um, got right into the steps and got recovered, at the time I was working in a baker department, which is like the perfect job for a compulsive overeater. I'd been there for a long time. And um, wasn't in a position, um, I, I did have sponsors at one time to tell me to get, get a new job, to get out of that, get out of that um, lifestyle. 
But I knew, like, as long as I was spiritually fit that I could go anywhere, and I wasn't in a position to give up, give up that job. So the guy that I had, um, she would just tell me every day to make sure that um, I was going in with the right motives, that I would invite God in to go to, um, into the bakery first, and that um, to remember that I was to be of service to others and that that food was not mine. And that I really had to look at that food as like a skeleton with crossbones on it because it was it would kill me, and um, uh, I was you know was able to. It wasn't hard because I had my my motives were in the right place, and you know they say if you hang out in the barbershop long enough, you know you get a haircut. But I just knew um, from the twelve step program that we can go anywhere as long as we're spiritually fit, and that um, you know my. My motives for going in were um, in the right place, and I wasn't going in to get some vicarious pleasure. Um, the other question that you had, what was not helpful? Um, I really, I, I really can't say what was not helpful because you hear all kinds of things in program, and it's like I, I just have to say for myself, I got really good guidance, and um, you know, I just, I focused on my own recovery and not what other people were telling me. Um, I, I really kind of trusted trusted my God and I trusted a guide that was guiding me through the process to really uh, just uh, hold the lantern and get me through the 12 steps. And, um, you know, I just, I found my way. So uh, hopefully that, that answered your question. Thank you, Shannon F. And who else has a question this morning for our speaker, Terry? You'll want to press star 1 to unmute and identify yourself. Allie? Allie? Allie. What's the first letter of your last name, Allie? It's Sally, D. Oh, okay, excellent. Sally, D. Hold on one second. Anyone else? Jody EQ. Hi, Jody. Good morning. Sima M. Sima M. Who's J? Lisa J. Got it. Lisa J. Anyone else? Rini W. What's the first name? I'm so sorry. Rini. Rini, gotcha. Okay. Excellent grouping. Sally D., you're up. Yeah, this is a, a follow-up to an earlier answer. Um, you were talking about the being out of balance on one part of the triangle of uh unity, service, and recovery. And I was just wondering, uh, what does it look like to be out of balance in terms of unity? I know that's the the uh, AA triangle, but uh, I was just a little curious about that. <laughs> mm, thanks for your question, Sally. Um, the unity piece, of course, is found in the fellowship. Um, so some of the questions that I have for unity is like, where am I today in unity? You know, do I have a home group that I'm committed to? And do uh-huh. I have a commitment, 
commitment at that group? Um, do I perform, you know, other fellowship service with, you know, being of service, or am I just going to meetings and taking? And uh, do I have other meetings that I'm attending regularly, or is it just maybe one a week? So I'd look at that um, for for the unity piece. Okay, great. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Sally. Jody EQ. Good morning, everybody. And thank you, Leah, for your service. Thank you, Terry, for a beautiful presentation. My name is Jody EQ in California, gratefully recovered. My question um, is about sponsoring others. I assume you are a sponsor, and I'm wondering when you have a sponsor that you guide through the steps, say all of them, and then they uh, have trouble with their abstinence once again, what is your approach? Do you continue with them or do you suggest that they work with somebody new? Uh, thanks for the thanks for the question, Jody Q. Um, yeah, I think that's an individual thing. Um, yeah, it talks about um, I can't remember where it is in the book, but you know how they worked with. Um, I think it's actually on. Let me just see if I can find it <clears throat> real quick. Uh, talks about where they um, Bill and Bob didn't give up. I worked with him, uh, and so here it is. It's in. Um, uh, it's on page 35. It says, we told him what we knew of alcoholism and the answer that we had found. He made a good beginning. His family was reassembled, and he began to work as a salesman for the business he had lost to a drink in. All went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. To his consternation, he found himself half a dozen drunk, a half drunk half a dozen times in rapid succession. On each occasion, we worked with him, reviewing carefully what had happened. So it's like they never gave up. Um, and I, again, I think it's an individual basis. And I always say if someone goes through, this, goes through the 12 steps and are recovered and they pick up again, I always say it's a first-step problem that they weren't really clear on, um, on, their, on their powerlessness because it's really... For me, I always ask myself, am I moving further away from step one or closer to step one? And if I'm moving further away from step one, meaning I don't need power, then I will start running my life again and pick up because now I'm disconnected. So I always, always get, stay close to step one because I have to remember, you know, um, who has the power and it's not me. So... Hopefully that's help, that helped. Yes, it does. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jody. Dima, your turn. Hi, this is Sima M. from New Jersey, grateful compulsive overeater living in recovery just for today. Terry, it is so great to hear your voice again. I always love uh, hearing you share. And Leah, thank you for your service. Terry, I'm... I know you didn't mention it today, but I've heard you mention it before that you have a, a group of people that you uh, do a 10th and 11th step with, kind of like a train, and I was wondering if you could share about that, if you're still doing that. 
Yeah, um, actually, yes, thanks, Emma, for the, for the question. There is um, a 10 and 11 train going on um, in, Overeaters, in Overeaters Anonymous, and um, I'd be more than happy to give you that contact person. Um, the last time I talked to her, she said there was about 60 on it, so it's going really well. We do have one here in Maine, but it's, it's pretty full, and um, I always call it the 11-step the train in Maine, and it started probably, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, and um, it's just something that came out of meditation for me, and, um, you know, God helped me put it together, and it's been going strong, and I was able to pass it on into Overeaters Anonymous, and the person that, that is conducting the train has um, done a wonderful job in the last year, and it's pretty successful, but I would love to give you that information, you know, um, uh, on a one-on-one call. Okay, thank you. Sure. Nice to hear your voice, Sima. Thank you, Sima M. Lisa J. Thank you all uh, for your service. And I have a question. Lisa J. here from Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I've been in the program for a couple years now, and I, you know, heard it once said, are you doing God's work or are you doing God's job? And I try to stay in one, two, and three. I mean, because I keep having an issue where I lay things down to God and then I sneak back and pull them, you know, take them back. I just keep sneaking back to the altar and grabbing it and taking back control. I'm really struggling. It's like when I do my 10th and 11th step, the the glaring thing that keeps popping back up is the director of the show. I want to I want to be in control and I'm I don't want I don't want to be, but I'm finding it very difficult to just break that habit. Um it's like it's in my DNA, and I, I can't stand it. And I'm wondering if you have any insights for me. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lisa, for the question. Um, so it sounds, like, it sounds like exactly what my share was today, was what might be going on for you a little bit. Uh, restless, irritable, and discontented. And, and I would say it's like I look at it as a, spir- uh, a spiritual thermo- thermometer, like, where, what's going on inside because it, it it will come out, it will manifest itself on the outside. So I want to have control or, um, you know, something, I'll, I'll try to grab for something on the outside when really it, it's something on the inside that, that's going on, like the pot stirring, like the, the spiritual thermometer is getting higher. And um, for me, when, I, when I'm aware of that, I just, what I do is I, I, I bump up my meditation and I bump up my prayer, and I look to see if I'm doing my 11-step review at night. Um, my morning prayers, you know, I, I have a, you know, I have a routine that I do, and um, you know, is that in order? And am I asking God for help? That's the big question. So hopefully, hopefully that was helpful. Thank you, Lisa J. Rini W. Rini W. Star one to unmute. 
Hello. Sorry about that. Uh, Leah, thank you so much for your service and Terry for your enlightening share. Um, I am a uh, bulimic and compulsive overeater, food addict, and um, I've been going to, oh, I've been in a way, I guess, the last five years, face-to-face -face meetings and just wasn't getting recovered. And um, then I had surgery in February and I started listening to a vision for you and I've been on that meeting every morning. I've had, I have wonderful sponsors and um, I, I've stopped the alcohol, which I never thought of myself as an alcoholic, but it, it just kind of um, exacerbates my bulimia, which is in the evening. And um, I, I, I am doing the, the step work, I do the writing, I do the meetings, the vision for you, I pray, I have a food plan, I talk to my sponsors, and I still pick up at night. And yesterday I listened to Harlan's uh, chapter two, and after that I said, I now understand that what my problem is and it's my it's that mental twist and I forget and that tonight I'm not gonna forget and I I go to the food at night. I still pick up even though and I pray and I ask God and I get down on my hands and knees and I pray and I pray and I say, Please God, please help me with this and my sponsor said, Make use your tools, da 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 and everybody has the advice of what not to do or what to do, but I'm still picking up at night. And I know you've been in relapse. I feel like I've been prelapsing. And um, do you have any suggestions at all for me with this bulimia? Thank you. Um, thanks for the question, Rini. I have I don't have experience with bulimia, but you know, being a compulsive overeater, you know, we think the same and. Again, you know, I, I would say, uh, you know, try to get at least a couple days underneath your belt and, and jump right into the steps. Um, I know for me that the nighttime was the hardest for me, too, um, because it's like you're going all day and then you're, you're you, you know, you're with yourself at night. And so all those emotions come up and um, it's I, I, I get where you are. I've been there many times. But what really helped me was, you know, I, I really had to be serious about, is this life or death for me? And, you know, do I want to keep dying? And if I don't want to keep dying, then, you know, I will do anything to to do what I need to do to stick to my food plan and work the steps like my life depends on it. And that's, you know, that's what happened for me. Like, I think, you know, it's like someone throws you a life uh, a life jacket, you know, am I going to be in the water saying, no, that's the wrong color and I don't want it? Or am I going to put on that life jacket and, and really, like, you know, uh, pick up the steps and, and work work the program like, like my life depends on it? And um, and that that's what happened for me. Like, I just got to that, got to that place of desperation. Like, I, I couldn't do it anymore. So mm -hmm. I, I, I understand where you are. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Rini W., all right, this will be our final invitation for questions this morning. If you have a question, uh, star one to unmute. 
Kathleen, Kathleen, I didn't catch your initial to your last name. T. And Leah S., I got you. Who else? Susan B. Elaine B. Did I hear Susan B. as well? Yes. Okay, Susan B. Pete B. Hey, Pete. Got you down. Anyone else? Wonderful opportunity to get some experience, strength, and hope this morning. Gina R. I didn't catch the first name. Gina R. Hey, Gina. Thank you. Anyone else? Going once, twice, three times. Okay, that'll be our grouping. Kathleen T., let's start with you. Hi, Kathleen. Good morning. Go right ahead. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you, everyone on the line. Thank you, Vision, for you. Terry, that was terrific. I really liked the laundry list of questions that you had. They were very inspiring. Um, Thank you for your service. Um, I have sort of a particular question. I've been in the program nine years and maintaining an over 100-pound weight loss. And part of doing the steps and getting through the program was getting rid of the black and white thinking. And I have always said now in readings, I'm so happy to be in the gray. Living in the gray is fine. But what I realize is that I'm not feeling, not feeling happiness, sadness, grief, anger, or resentment. And part of that is good. Um, But recently, two months ago, my younger brother passed away who was an addict. I had someone at work who hung herself. And this week I went to visit a new baby. And my sponsor keeps on asking me, how did you feel about those things? And I feel numb. I feel numb. I do my work. I have sponsors. I have sponsees. I make three to five meetings every week. I am in a program of action, but I am totally stuck. Living in the gray is making me gloss over things that I probably was hiding because of food, and now I'm just ignoring. So my question to you is, um, how do I get color back in my life? How did you... Um, how did you combine program with life? It's a big question. Sorry, but thank you. Thanks, Kathleen, for your question. And I'm sorry for your loss. Um, I think, you know, this is every, every time, you know, the week, this is my experience. Every time that I go through a difficulty, it's like sometimes I don't know how I'm going to get through that situation and I had a guy that guy that would say to me, you know, um, she would say to me, God, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. 
Sometimes life gives you one you can handle. That's why we need God to get us through those life situations. And so for me, sometimes when I go through the pain, like um, I'm going through some stuff with my husband right now, and, you know, my I just have such a faith that, um, you know, the feelings will pass. Um, they're not going to last forever. You know, I've been on this journey for a while. It's not worth picking up because it's not going to change. But I always say, like, the, the problem in front of me is never as great as the power behind me. And um, my my mantra today is uh, right foot, left foot, eyes on God. And um, and that's all I have to do today is put right foot, left foot, eyes on God. And eventually, you know, I, I will come back and come back out of that whatever I'm going through. So what I would say to you is just keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, it sounds like you're, you go, you may be going through a grieving process, which, you know, it's just an individual individual basis what, what you have to do to get through that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, definitely try to try to not make that happen. It, it, this is part of your journey, part of the process that you, you just have to go through, you know, with this life situation. And, um, yeah, I don't know if that was helpful, but that that's what I do is um, just go with it until eventually you'll come out of it. And, and, it, and the other thing I'll just say to you to, to wrap up is that guide also told me that this is a program of action and I take action when I feel good and I take action when I don't feel good. So um, that's been a, it's been a thing for me to really pay attention to on a daily basis. Like um, even when I don't want to, I still do. And that's it. Thank you, Kathleen T. Leah S. Your turn. Thank you very much, Leah, and thank you so very much, Terry. Um, my question, um, can you define spirituality, inferiority, and grandiosity, when it becomes grandiosity? Um I don't know if you understand what I'm asking. Um, Can well, you get more specific? Yeah. Um, when, 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 probably when I feel that um, something is right, and then I this thought comes in and says, you know what? Who are you, Leah? And um, you know, to do that, even though I know it is the right thing, and then, and then it's like a, a kind of a battle between what is really right and what is really wrong, and um, okay, let me tell you something. I I fell through the cracks. I fell, <laughs> I fell through the cracks by uh, not listening to my spirituality, and and. And, and and I was thinking that I was too inferior. I was too much... Um, okay, I was listening to other uh, people who were having their own agendas in mind. So how do, I, how do I get a balance? How do I get that? Like my sponsor says, healthy balance. <laughs> of, uh, okay, I, I think I understand your question. Um, yeah. 
So, again, you know, if if I could say anything, uh, on page 85, it's as much as already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed direction, we have begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we have become, become God conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense. So that sixth sense is my intuition. So am I paying attention to that? Or am I, you know, not trusting that? So God gives each and every one of us that, and it's really if I'm tapped into that. So um, that's where I go is, like, I get tapped into that intuition. And and I don't I don't take credit for anything, any right decision that I make, and that's the other piece of really giving the credit to where it goes. Um, so, um, yeah, I just try to see where I'm tapped into that intuition. You know, and other instead of taking um, maybe suggestions from other people, like and and again, my guide always directs me. You know, she says my my job is not to be the problem solver; it's to get you to the problem solver. So, am I tapped into that power? Absolutely. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Leah S. Elaine B. Your opportunity, Elaine B. Oh, I'm so sorry. I hi. Thank you so much for your service, Leah. Can you hear me now? Sure can. Oh great. And thank you so much, Terry, for your awesome service. Um my my question may be similar. Uh, my question is, you know, if we're all about um, his will, not ours, be done, God trying to seek our higher powers will, um, do you have any thoughts um, in terms of discerning, uh, discerning um, God's will versus ours? Thanks, Elaine, for the question. And always good to hear your voice. Um, <laughs> I always, one of the things I use is like, I don't always know what the right thing to do is, but I do know what the wrong thing to do is. So I know if I'm doing the wrong thing, that's not God's will. And that's kind of how I kind of gauge, like, and again, I ask myself, what are my motives? You know, my motives with God or do I have some self-seeking motives in what I'm doing? And that's that's what I use. Like I don't always know what the right thing to do is, but I do know what the wrong thing to do is, because God God gives us that intuition once again, and am I tapped into that? And sometimes I always say sometimes it takes more faith to do nothing. If I'm not sure, don't do anything. Excellent. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Elaine, for your question, Susan B. Your turn. Thanks, Leah, and thanks, Terry, for your presentation. It was very, very helpful. Um, I'm Susan B. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I could really identify with the... Um, I'm a chronic relapser. I'm in the late stages of my addiction, and I spent six months in a rehab in 2016, um, for my food addiction, and then I got out at the end of the end of September and returned home. And I'm still finding myself. I worked through the steps with a vision sponsor, and I got 
recovered for a very short I started slipping towards the very end basically um I was going to sponsor and then I started slipping and what I find is I'm in a very I'm probably in one of the most difficult places of my life right now in regards to different things without getting into detail I find myself having an ongoing problem with the irritable and discontent and acceptance with my life where it's at right now so I find myself, you know, playing around with the food again and wanting to control my food. I know, you know, that the answer is not in the food. I know it's not in the externals. I know it's an inside job. But I just seem to continue to be, like, miserable. Um, yesterday I found myself crying a lot, getting angry a lot, and this is, like, ongoing and then I guess what scares me more than anything is, like, I don't feel I have another recovery in me. I mean, I feel that the only thing that's keeping me, like, from not going full-blown into white flour and sugar is the fact that, you know, I was suicidal. I guess my question is, I know I need to trust in God. I know I need to take it one day at a time. I know all these things, but what helped you when you were at the most difficult times in your life and you had trouble trusting in your higher power, what helped you to trust? Thank you. Thanks, Susan, for the question in 2018. Um, I don't really have, you know, I don't have a, 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 an answer for that. I, I just know, like, for me, you know, when I'm going through that difficult time, yeah, it's, you, you feel all those emotions and it's like that. I always go back and I have a God that, that loves me unconditionally and I have a God that, that's going to help me through any situation. And um, I may not trust him 100%, but um, I trust him enough. You know, all I have to do is trust God with like a little mustard seed and that mustard seed will move mountains. And that's all I need. I don't, I don't have to go 100%. But just starting with that mustard seed really um, moves me in the right direction. And again, I'm, I'm sorry for your pain. Really, um, I hear that. Thank you. And yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Susan B. Pete B. It's your turn. Thank you, Leah, for your service, and thank you, Terry, for your presentation. Um, I don't really have, I'm, I'm uh, PP, I'm from uh, outside of Philadelphia, uh, relatively new uh, to A Vision for You, but I, 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 I guess uh, more comment than anything else. All I, 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 one, I, one I, I've, I've, been, I've been listening this week to A Vision for You, and I've been wondering what the hell everyone's talking about with regard to bedevilments. I'm looking it up in the encyclopedia, and I'm so grateful that you've you know, pointed out the obvious and where it is in the big book. And so, so thank you for that. Um, I like, like other people have shared earlier would really appreciate the, uh, the format uh, for some of the questions that you asked yourself uh, would be really, really helpful for me. So I will be emailing you for those. And um, the last thing I just want to say is that for somebody like me, who I've been in, I've been in the 12, 12 step recovery program for, for 20 years and have and have and have battled my entire sobriety with with food addiction and tried to conquer 
with all of the tools out there to try to conquer. And it wasn't until, you know, hopefully the, this time and the last time is where I absolutely completely and totally surrendered and, and remain surrendered and, and stop battling and stop fighting and just, just give up to where I'm, I'm just trying, I'm just finding some, I'm finding some peace and, you know, I'm just, I'm just really grateful for that. So no question, just more, just more like I just, just, just completely blown away. And thank you again. And, and with that, I'll pass. Mm, thank you. Thank you, Pete B. And our final question for this morning comes from Gina R. Good morning, Leah. Thank you so much for your continued faithful and faith-filled service. And Terry, thank you for this presentation. This is Gina R. I'm gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and I'm in Colorado. Terry, I was wondering if you could describe through your journey um, how you were able to mark um, when you had movement of your spiritual development and formation that were um, significant signposts or markers um, to help you remember. And and what I'm getting at is I've been working with a couple of people this last week, and just as we um, forget what the food does to us and what our emotional natures and being prey to these bedevilments does to us, I think we also forget what God is doing for us and allowing to happen in our lives and how these um, character defects and these bedevilments actually are our teachers. And so I was just curious if you had any way of, um, you know, journaling or, you know, just how are you, how are you um, reinforcing your remembering, your rememberer instead of the forgetter. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. Thanks for the thanks for the question, Gina. Yeah. Um, for me, um, you know, and you're going to get all kinds of you're going to get all kinds of opinions, and you're going to get all kinds of um, uh, feedback. But for me, my personal experience is I continue to work the steps I, by taking others through the twelve steps. You know, which enhances my own spirituality, but I also go back every year and do redo the steps for myself because I can't live on a 13-year, you know, recovery. I, you know, I just can't for me. So I'm in a different place. Like last year, I just, I just finished up the, the, the process, uh, the end of, the end of um, uh, 2016, um, and I'm in, you know, I'm in a different place. So I stay current with the work for myself because it always changes. It's no longer about the food, but it's about where I am, you know, for myself. You know, where do I need to, where I am and where I need to be. And, you know, how do I get there is by continuing to work, continuing to work the steps and having that first step experience where I am today without, without the food in me. So that's been really helpful. And um, my, my relationship just enhances because I'm, I'm willing to continue to do the work. Um, and it's been really, really helpful. So my so, specific question is, do you, do you have, I guess what I'm getting at is that what came to me yesterday was, are you keeping a log of like these miracles in your life? And I'm realizing that I haven't really been doing that. And I'm going to 
attempt to do that um, because I forget. And mm-hmm. that's what I was seeing with the others. So um, just curious. Yeah, I, I definitely don't keep a log. I mean, I, I, I definitely work at Structured Program, and there's some disciplines that I, that I do on a daily basis, and I do, you know, I do a writing, you know, a food plan, of course, and, you know, gratitude. And um, so it, because it's really my negative thinking that's going to get the best of me. So if I can just um, get my thinking in a different direction, it really does help me. And I just I see the spiritual progress on a daily basis by the way that I react to life. You know, the way that people want to be around me today, you know, um, the way I carry myself, um, you know, the way that I don't react versus I respond. Um, So these have been all the gifts that, you know, I've gotten along the way and they just keep coming. But there are some disciplines that I do for myself on a daily basis. Yeah, thank you for the question. And good luck. Good luck with that. Thank you, Gina R. Thanks to everybody who posed questions this morning. And, of course, thank you, Terry, for your personal insights and all your experience this morning. You always bring so much help to the line. Thank you very much. And thank from, you, Leah. My pleasure. And from page 164, entitled Our Vision for You, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.